Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and I'm very happy to say it's finally here, the first of our Scram Christmas specials. This year we've been across the land talking to various suppliers, businesses and social enterprises all about our favourite time of the year and what it means for them. Over the next two episodes you can expect tips for the Christmas dinner and cocktail making, ideas for gifts and eating out over the festive season and we'll talk to social enterprises and charities working to support people in crisis or difficulty this Christmas. We'll also talk to food producers about this important time of the year for them. In this first episode, I talked to Michael Shannon of Damn Delicious and Bigger about the business of turkeys. I'm just going to tell you, uh, herding turkeys is one of the most difficult jobs you'll ever do. And from there, we moved to another central food group for this time of the year, chocolate. Sebastian Cobalt, master chocolatier, talks us through being in the chocolate business and what to think about when gifting chocolate. We still don't take it for granted. It is a privilege to, to be able to do that for a living. Both of my sons, they're, they're quite small. They just get an idea of what daddy is doing for a living and they absolutely love it. For many of us, this time of the year brings to mind those who won't be able to have the kind of Christmas they would like to because they're experiencing a crisis or a need of support. I spoke to Ewan Brock and Andy of Social Bite to hear about how they are working with a social enterprise to help those experiencing homelessness this Christmas. Then it's the support and at Christmas the goodies and that they get because I was going through a hard time at the time. I didn't really enjoy Christmas, but the festival light just changed me. Our final stop on today's podcast is what can only be described as an Edinburgh festive institution, the Dome where tourists and shoppers are gathering as they stop to bask in the glow of their festive illuminations. Having done a recent count, I can confirm that we're just over half a million lights in around the building. But back to basics to start with, and the humble turkey. I spoke with Michael Shannon of Ram Delicious about the process for rearing turkeys for Christmas. This was recorded before the avian flu outbreak, so happily we were able to visit with some of their birds on the family farm in Bigger. If turkey isn't your thing, Michael also gives us some tips for meaty alternatives this Christmas. So they will, they're only, they've only arrived, so what happens is they sort of acclimatise in here, 
and then that door over there gets opened and they go off into the woods out there and then at night time they come in here just to stop the foxes you know, just for security they're only in here but um, they'll go outside and just eat all the nettles and peck about there and eat a natural life I'm just going to tell you, uh, herding turkeys is one of the most difficult jobs you'll ever do. So they're lovely at the moment and it's great and it's Christmas and all the rest. But they're so, when it gets later on in the year and they're so hard to get in at night and you've got to get them in, that they become really quite annoying. And uh, by the time the final deed is done, but there are no tears welling in my eyes, that's for sure. These are all Norfolk black turkeys. You know, it, it's we're nearly at Christmas time. They're nearly at full maturity. They're a lot slower to mature bird. These birds went out of fashion because the supermarkets want a nice white turkey that's easy to pluck, they're easy to process. These are a slower growing, longer to mature. They don't grow to as big a weights as some of the more commercial breeds do, but they're far more flavoursome and far juicier. That's what we're basically trying to produce. But at this time of year, you know, we're nearly at Christmas. Most turkeys are already ordered, and I would suggest, you know, people need to get their orders in. We notice that ordering a turkeys is getting earlier and earlier. We only sell our own turkeys. We don't buy any in, so when this lot's gone, that's it, they're all gone. There's, there's no plan B. Turkey meat is always seen as a dry meat. It shouldn't be a dry meat. A lot of it is down to the cooking. You know, we all overcook it. Um, we provide everybody with a wee thermometer now that pops out so that it tells you when it's ready. You just have to hope that it pops out at the same time your roasties pop out. But also as well as that, you know, there's so many other opportunities, so many other meats. We notice it in the shop, you know, rib of beef, one of the most popular it is really is the proper centerpiece for the middle of your table. It's Christmas dinner, you've done all that cooking, you bring it out, you want your whole family to sit there and be in awe of what you've produced. And there's nothing better than a great big rib roast to bring out. Juicy, tasty, just absolutely, just, oh, you know, actually talking about my mouth starting to water. Because just honestly, it's just possibly one of the best cuts of meat. But there's lots of different things. You know, if you're not into turkey, basically you're weird. But really good piece of beef. You know, go to your butcher, ask your butcher, tell your butcher how many people you're cooking for. He will know or he or she will know what size of piece of meat to give you. Don't start and scrimp and save at Christmas. It's one day of the year. You know, we all get a pretty tough year. It's the one time your whole family, all your best, all your nearest and dearest are going to be with you. And therefore, you should really pull out all the stops and put on one really good spread. And the centerpiece of the spread has to be that piece of meat, whether it's turkey, beef, lamb, you know, anything. Just go for it. What will you be doing on Christmas Day? Christmas, as you can imagine, running up to Christmas. It's chaos here on the farm. We rear all our own turkeys. We process all our own turkeys. We sell our own tur all our turkeys from the shop. By the time we get to Christmas Eve, dead on our feet. However... It's also one of the biggest days. My wife is really into Christmas, just like my mum was. Christmas is a major day for us here. Kids are spoilt rotten. I cook the turkey. I've always cooked the turkey. We do everything. We do the roasties and goose fat. Being an Irishman, I'm very in, even into the quality and the variety of potato that I will have on Christmas Day. That's how sad it is. But Christmas is a major day for us. Full turkey spread, all the trimmings has to be. Well, thank you very much and happy Christmas when it comes. Happy Christmas to you. Thank you.
Producer Kelly went along to meet Sebastian Kobalt, chocolate master, who, having worked in Michelin star restaurants in Europe, decided to set up his own business making chocolate. I'm here with Sebastian Kobelt in his kitchen in West Lothian in lovely Linlithgow and the smell of chocolate is divine. Sebastian, tell us about your chocolate and what you're preparing in the run-up to Christmas. So as you can imagine, we're really busy at the moment preparing our whole festive range. Everything here is made from scratch. We're just trying to tempt our customers to buy as many chocolates as they can and want. There is a many, 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 many boxes being labelled here as we speak. How long have you been up and running and, and what brought you to this part of the world? This year, 2022, is our 10th uh, anniversary in business. Along the line, we had many challenges, especially in the last couple of years, as you can imagine. We have two sides to the business. One is the retail side. We used to operate a high street shop, which we uh, gave up just our, after lockdown one. We're now fully online based and sell through our online shop. And the second side of the business is the wholesale. So we uh, supply restaurants and hotels nationwide with our chocolates. And it has become a very big part of our business. And your background was in some Michelin star restaurants. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I pretty much came through the ranks in, in, in hospitality. I uh, Most of my life I worked in, in big hotels uh, all over the world and came to Scotland in 2005. Again, worked in a couple of good restaurants and hotels here. At some point, I just, you know, thought to myself, uh, why always uh, help make someone else's dream come true? May as well just do that for myself. And, you know, that's 10 years later now. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good and good. So the most important question of the day, tell us about the chocolate. And you can tell us a little bit about your process, maybe. Uh-huh. I see there's this amazing looking tap that's literally pouring chocolate <laughs> some people's idea of heaven yeah it is isn't it you know we still don't take it for granted it is a privilege to to be able to do that for a living both of my sons they're they're quite small they just get an idea of what daddy is doing for a living and they absolutely love it <laughs> so what, what we do here uh, is a couple of different things so uh, we, we do have uh, chocolate bars that, that we make some of them bean to bar, which means uh, so we, we use the raw cocoa bean uh, roasted here on, on site and then we have a little mill that grinds them into chocolate and which allows us to sort of adjust the, the flavors, you know, how long it's been roasted or a little bit uh, shorter the roasting time uh, and then we can add a couple of things that you wouldn't expect. We have one chocolate bar that we add black sesame seeds into it during the, the milling process and it gives them a really nice dark sesame seed paste. We do chocolates, filled chocolates. I think that's what most people would uh, associate when you talk about chocolates is the, the, the filled bonbons. They have a ganache inside or can have a multiple layers of, of filling inside. Mm-hmm. And then we also do for our wholesale, for some of our wholesale clients, we do little chocolate sculptures that go into the rooms for VIP guests. Christmas is coming. Tell us exactly the types of chocolates you're going to be making for this year's festive season. Yeah, so we, we always try to, whether it's Christmas or not, keep it a bit local. So we mix local flavors that, you know, one might not be familiar with. And then we put our little own twist on it and then 
pair it with something else. This year what we, what we have again and what's a firm favorite with our customers is a Douglas fir chocolate. Mm-hmm. We get the Douglas fir uh, needles forage and then um, there's quite an intrinsic process involved in doing them. It took me ages to, to figure out the recipe mm-hmm. because the first time around when I tried it, it always went bitter and it just yeah. didn't work and I was almost giving up on it and then I had like a light bulb moment and I tried a different way of, of processing the needles mm-hmm. and it worked and it's absolutely uh, fabulous. Then another thing we, we do is uh, Scottish sea buckthorn, a little orange berries that grow along the coastline in Scotland and we pair it with a marzipan ganache. And it's it's really really nice. They're quite bitter normally. The they're they're very very tart, but it's almost you look at them like concentrate. Mm-hmm. So and you adjust your recipes accordingly. It have the most beautiful flavor the the berries, and it also changes throughout the through the season. So they're in season okay. um, from September to February, mm-hmm. and the later in the season the less water the berries have in them, so it changes the flavor as well. Can you tell us some of the places that stock your chocolates, the hotels? Can you share that with us? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I can, I, I, I just will. Um, a number of our best customers is, um, so one is uh, the Waldorf in Edinburgh, okay. very good customer of, of, of ours. We supply uh, the London Hilton on, on Park Lane, so that's, that's um, really you know sometimes I, I just have to pinch myself that places I could have or would have worked in then yep. suddenly I'm supplying them with my chocolates it's really a testament to to the team of the work they're doing here you know and that's recognized by such prestigious hotels you've got a little team how many staff are working with you so we have um, at the moment three full-time and I have about two or three part-time employees that that come in and help with boxing we have quite a especially this time of, of the year, it's, it's a lot packaging, you know, and before I started the, the business, I would have myself not believed how much work actually is taken up by boxing and packaging and all this. Mm-hmm. Again, the own business, um, you can decide what you want to do. And, and also in terms of packaging, as much we, as we can do um, as a small business, we try to be sustainable. And if somebody is thinking about buying chocolate for somebody else this Christmas, what would your advice be to them? What would you say to look out for? The decision makes the customer, really. I mean, if they're really a foodie, if they really like their chocolates, even though the person they're buying it for don't like it uh, or not being bothered about it, then they will buy good chocolate. Sometimes you can change perceptions, you know, and I know uh, when we still have the high street shop, there's a lot of perception in it, but uh, from a small business, you get a very different service than from a, from a big business, you know, you, you, you pick the phone up or you write an email and 24 hours later, you have a reply to it and you, you actually deal with the persons. You know, most of the things we do here, we source from the UK as well. So there's gotta be, you know, uh, reflected in the in the price as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's what people sometimes don't see. It's it's also the whole package, the service you you pay for. You don't have any plans to bring the high street shop back, but tell us where we can get your lovely chocolates. So you can uh, buy our chocolates from our website uh, com, or if you just uh, Google chocolate in Lithgow. Uh, I'm the only one here in Lithgow, so that should be very easy to find. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
I'm now in the Social Bike Cafe on Rose Street in Edinburgh with Ewan Brock. Hi Ewan, how are you? I'm good, thank you Rosalind, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. We're counting down to Christmas and you guys do some really important work all year round. So for anyone that doesn't know, could you please tell us about Social Bite? Yeah, of course. So Social Bite started 10 years ago now in the Rose Street coffee shop that we're sitting in just now by Josh and Alice. And um, at first all profits were going to various different charities. And then a big issue vendor, Pete, came in and asked about getting a job, so gave the opportunity to Pete and then from there expanded into the homelessness charity that is just now and expanded um, to another coffee shop in Edinburgh, two in Glasgow and one in Aberdeen, and now we're expanding down to London this year as well. So just making sure to give support to the homeless community in these cities, able to give one-to-one support free food provisions all year round and run a couple of groups for mental health and well-being and now got Jobs First programme which is getting people into jobs with other external companies but giving that wraparound support that might be needed for people. On the topic of Christmas, what does preparing for Christmas look like for you? So it's a very busy time for us but a lovely time that I love doing. Started two years ago with the Festival of Kindness that runs through all of December and now it's expanded to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dundee and London where people that are out Christmas shopping could maybe buy an extra gift for someone and leave it under the tree and then we'd able to donate that to a homeless or vulnerable person over the Christmas period. And then on top of that, we just run our free meals on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in Edinburgh, Glasgow and Aberdeen out of the coffee shops that we have there. And that has now been running for eight years that we've been doing that. So it's just there for anyone that's homeless, might be vulnerable, might not have much family and is just looking for the sort of social aspect over a really hard time for people. So that's the that's the main thing so but it's it's busy in preparation and, and already started so are those the main services that social bite offer people experiencing homelessness and the run up to christmas would you say yes and but that's something that runs all year round like throughout the year we deliver 180,000 free meals across scotland through the covid pandemic we delivered over 800,000 emergency food packages to to various different charities and organizations that needed it in those hard times and then on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I think last year it was four, just over 4,000 meals and 5,500 presents delivered across Scotland via different charity partners and then our own events ourselves. But Christmas time is definitely a time where that extra kindness that's needed, it's a harder time for people. And when does the meal prep for Christmas dinner start? Now. We've got a central kitchen in Livingston that our head chef Richard, he will prepare all the meals that go out to the the coffee shops in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Aberdeen. Past couple of years they've had to be pre-packaged because of Covid restrictions, the less touching of and preparing the better, so it was all prepared carefully in our central kitchen in Livingston and sent out uh, as pre-portioned meals. So this year we're hoping to go back to how it was before Covid and doing a bit more freshly prepared and, and bigger orders a bit more but and then we deliver to other charity partnerships all the food that they might need for the events they put on or getting food out to people for their homes that that maybe just can't afford it this year especially with the rise in living costs and and the energy crisis we're in just now it's just really thinking about that so as much as it seems like just preparing maybe on the day it's actually 
in the lead up getting everything organised and ready for it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of logistics. So what will be served for the Christmas meal this year? So we always have a meat option, which is your traditional Christmas dinner, some turkey, some gravy, some roast potatoes, some veg, some stuffing, which is the key must for me, and then some uh, pigs and blankets as well. And then there's always a veggie option as well, whether it's a, a nut roast or a vegetarian haggis always goes down well as well for vegetarians. But yeah, the preparation's always the fun part. And then the actual events themselves of seeing people enjoying their meal and socialising and just that community spirit coming together and the kindness that you see and everyone everyone looking out for each other within the community. You know, it's this really, really special couple of days. It must be nice to see that happening. So could you just tell us a bit more about the logistics of preparing all these Christmas dinners for people? Yeah, of course. So it's uh, getting any staff that want to be involved on the days as well and then looking for volunteers. We always get a huge pool of volunteers that want to help us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and then have different roles on the day, whether it's uh, in the kitchen helping preparing and cooking the food, whether it's on the tables and just chatting to the guests and serving the food. Um, could be packing the presents and then delivering the presents to people that are, uh, come on the day. Obviously, the last couple of years we've had some COVID restrictions, so there's been very much space between and uh, people and social distancing and different variations on rules that have happened over the past three years. So this year, now that those rules aren't going to be in place, that we'll be able to have more activities like maybe a corner for board games and a volunteer can be there and, and doing entertainment for that and maybe get a, a choir in or someone that can play a few Christmas songs on the guitar so it's not just coming in for a meal and then that's you, it's actually about the, the complete social aspect of it as well. And then, as I've mentioned, we have supported volunteers that are maybe people that have suffered or experienced homelessness, take them on as volunteers, and it's that wee bit of confidence booster, and like people love to give back of maybe services that they've had to rely on in the past, and be, being able to give back is just that extra special part of that of Christmas for them. So. It's really, really nice just to get everyone involved in, in that way as well. And if you did want to volunteer, how, how do you go about doing that? So on our website, there will be an email address that you're able to send and ask for details. And then there's an application form and uh, references to go through. And that email address is volunteering at social-bite.co.uk if anyone is interested in volunteering in Glasgow, Edinburgh or Aberdeen this year. How can listeners get involved? Various ways, like as I said before, if you're out Christmas shopping in any of the cities I mentioned, ordering or buying an extra present on top of what they are that might match something on our wish list, then it'd be great for them to stop by one of our trees, speak to the volunteers that are there, see a bit more about what we're doing and different charity partnerships and presents coming into the trees. Uh, buy someone a Christmas meal campaign that happens each year through Etazon or on our website as well or just popping into our coffee shops and paying it forward and giving a wee donation the lead up to Christmas, buying someone a coffee or a sandwich at our free food provision, it just, any any little bit goes such a long way. Well, thank you very much and I hope you have a lovely Christmas. You too Rosalind, thank, thank you. you. So I'm now joined by Andy in the Social Bite Cafe in Edinburgh and Rose Street. Hi Andy, how are you? 
No bad, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Can you just tell me a little bit about your role at Social Bite? Right, well, my name's Andy. I've been a volunteer at Social Bite for the best part of coming up eight years. My role's anything, so I can get in. No, I mean, get into the kitchen, no, I mean, clean the table, empty a bin, sit down with people and no, have a game of dominoes and no, that, and just sort of the interaction with people. And that's what I got when I first came to Social Bite, was interaction after staff and that, and that's how I ended up volunteering. And the volunteering thing just came at the right time, because I just lost a couple of family members. And uh, so I've always said Social Bite didn't change my life, it saved my life at that point. So uh, it's been all good for me. Are you volunteered in this Christmas? Yeah. And have you done that before? Yeah, I've been doing it for Christmas for about seven years. I did the first festival light with you and up at Byers Road in Glasgow and that, and that I mean, so we did that and we managed to raise a, a few couple of coins and that, so it was all good. Seeing a bit of interaction, you got to meet new people and that, new volunteers and that, who I still keep in contact with. Some of them still come into the cafe now and again and, and volunteer, so I... It's good. And how has that kind of changed during COVID? So obviously you've been doing it before. We were lucky during COVID because uh, we still had the cafe in St Vincent Street in Glasgow. So we were, we were still providing uh, a breakfast takeaway plus a packed lunch during COVID, not being for five, six days a week. We had to be, to be horse folks and stuff like that. So it was uh, a struggle for everybody. Yeah. And it'll hopefully be normal this year. Aye. No, I mean, hopefully it'll be normal this year, not mean. I'm not going to get political, but I'm not going to be able to talk about that, but hopefully, I don't think things will change this year, but uh, Christmas is just special at Social Bite. And so will you be back at the tree at Byers Road this year? I hope so, yeah, I hope so. I uh, only did a couple of shifts last year, because I did our commitments, you know what I mean? So uh, hopefully, definitely. It's near me, so I might see you. Aye, might see me, but bring money with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make it, uh, well, you can pay me care. It's good, good laugh. That's all we did was laugh the first year. Everybody was new to it. It's just a different environment, you know what I mean, up the West End. Yeah, it's a nice addition to the area as well. Ah, yeah, it's, you know I mean, I like it up here. I still go up here. Because most support workers with Social Bite, you know what I mean, when I was doing it, used to take me out into the park and stuff like that just for a wee bit of chill out time, you know what I mean, where we um, have a coffee and just sit and have a chat. So I enjoy it up here. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience of Social Bite before you became a volunteer? Well, I was homeless. In Glasgow, I was homeless for four and a half years. And I actually slept rough for the majority of that, me and my friends and stuff like that. And it was just for the circumstances. I'm a chef, travelled everywhere, but all my jobs were living accommodation because I needed accommodation. I mean, I just came out of a relationship. That's how the homeless thing fell in. And plus, I've still got an alcohol problem and a cannabis problem. So, but that's kind of under control with the support I get. Not just have Social Bite, but other organisations that I work now, but Social Bite's been my main support over the years for it so saying I've never always been the perfect volunteer never sometimes I spit my dummy I think we all do that though it's just because I'm a chef isn't it <laughs> you know I mean? and how does it feel to help people who might be struggling this year to me it's just natural it's just natural because I struggled myself you know what I mean I've stood in the queue outside I still stand in the queue up at the lodging house mission I don't expect any peripheral thing where right, Andy you can go first I know all the punters you know what I mean, just through the years and stuff like that. It's not just about Christmas, but every day when you're still involved, you're getting something back, because I know what I got. Christmas is just different. See, we just get the tunes and all that on. So we just try and make your environment more relaxed, not just for the volunteers, but for us, you know what I mean, for the punters coming in. That's what I'm saying. It's all about the, the wee warm embrace, you know what I mean, the wee smiley face. Because we've got a policy in social bite. During COVID, we couldn't, but... Policy we day in Glasgow, we're we, we always give each other a hug. 
and that's that's what I go before I go to a meal and social bite. Or years back when I walked in, somebody went like that. You look, if you're in dire need of a hug, somebody came up and gave me a hug, and that's when it all started off. You know. What would you say to someone who's thinking of donating this Christmas? Well, it's brilliant. Think where the money's gone to. It's costing bonkers to even make a cup of tea now because of the cost of living is up. But no, I mean, I, I can verify. You know, I mean, every penny that goes in a meal goes to a meal. It's not just about the meal and that. Then it's the support and at Christmas the goodies and that they get. Because I was going through a hard time at the time, I didn't really enjoy Christmas, but the festival light just changed me. I might even get my Banter Santa t-shirt on this year. <laughs> it's back. So, yeah, all good. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. And have a nice Christmas. You too. I'm now on George Street in Edinburgh, outside the Dome, which is a Christmas institution in the city. I'm joined by Andrew. Hi, Andrew, how are you? Hi, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're here. The lights are on. It is extremely festive. Could you just tell us how it became such a Christmassy institution? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when uh, the current owners took over the Dome about 25 years ago and spent a lot of time and money renovating it from being a, a commercial bank, they then opened up and did a, a great job bringing in the Edinburgh public who enjoyed the, the luxurious uh, nature of it. Over the years, the uh, Christmas decorations have got grander and grander until um, every year there's something new added to build up the, the name and the reputation of the business. It's something that we all take a great pride in and the owners are delighted with that, how it looks every year. So for anyone that hasn't seen it, we're standing in front of one, two, three, four, five, six pillars that are all wrapped in there's like sparkling fairy lights, it's like a garland wrapped around garlands, there is a wreath above the door, no, more than one wreath above, wreath above the door but also in the windows there's sort of red light shining down on the building and it looks great, it looks really Christmassy there's also quite a few people taking pictures which I'm assuming happens quite a lot Yeah, absolutely, every day people are coming in just to taking pictures, to making memories for themselves. And when do the lights get switched on? They get switched on the, the lights at the front generally are the first thing to go up and that's around the 17th of October and then our Christmas uh, elf team work inside over the next two weeks bringing it all together the last final touches that goes up is the, the main Christmas tree in the grill room that goes up on the last Sunday in October so this year was the 30th of October and we reopened on the, the 31st fully ready for the festive period So does this happen while you're open or do you like is it happen at kind of when, when it isn't open to the public or is it happening when public we, are we, here? We've got a team that works throughout the night shift so we're open every day and then we'll, we'll shut maybe a wee bit earlier during the evenings that the, the Christmas team are in to set it up um, but we're, we're open ev every day throughout the transformation. So will we head in and have a look? So we're walking in and um, it's pretty spectacular. We've got a huge crystal chandelier. The pillars here are also wrapped in a garland with um, silver baubles. There is garlands going up the stairs. There's a Christmas tree on the stairs that looks kind of frosted with silver. There's lights all the way around the entrance into the grill room um, and huge floral decorations either side. And it even smells festive. Yeah, we've got a signature um, secret aroma which just enhances the senses that extra wee bit. So you can't buy that, no? We sell wax melts that have the smell of the dome at Christmas time that people can purchase when they come here, along with our own uh, new addition this year, our Christmas dome bobble. Nice. I feel like I definitely need to get that smell in my flat. <laughs> 
So we're just walking into the grill room now. Uh, wow, so we have central bar, round bar in the middle of the room. Again, the pillars are covered in oh, sorry, wraps and garlands uh, with lights. We've got a huge Christmas tree just above the bar that goes right up to the dome of the dome. Very Christmassy, and I can see why people would want to come here and have a nice, nice festive meal. Yeah, absolutely. It's very relaxing. The lights sort of changing, twinkling on the tree, um, you know, throughout, uh, changing colours, just sort of getting that special feeling. What, roughly how many lights are here? I haven't done a recent count. I can confirm that we're just over half a million lights in around the building. And what about logistics? So how do you get the tree up there? That's um, a trade secret that our team would kill me if I uh, let uh, that know, but it's, uh, like I say, a team um, that work throughout the night to, to get that tree up on the, the bar uh, and it's about five of them that work tirelessly over one night shift to get it to get it up there. It's about 40, it's over 40 foot. We're now in the club room at the Dome with Andrew and we're going to chat a little bit about the Christmas food and drink. So Andrew, can you just talk us through what's going to be on the menu this Christmas? So any guests coming to visit us at the Dome will be sure to have all their festive um, favourites taken care of. We've also got a range of festive inspired cocktails. The standout one that we have is called a, a chilli Christmas, which is um, pisco with a citrus vanilla syrup and a cardamom espuna. It's made using uh, aquavina, which is uh, vegan as well. Um, so it's open, um, available for everybody to enjoy. And we've got one here now. It's a really nice kind of coupe glass, really foamy on top, looks really light and a lovely kind of orangey, orangey colour. So we're going to try it. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so you can smell, smell the spicy, definitely smell the cardamom, which is, to my mind, really quite festive. So taking a sip, getting through the foam and taking a sip and it is really, it's quite sharp. <laughs> not too sweet it's not as spicy as anyone might think so don't worry if you're worried about spice but really lovely really refreshing but um yeah quite orangey get the get the uh, get the citrus orange cardamom a really nice um combination that works really really well on the palate so do you find uh, people come here for cocktails like sit at the bar enjoy the lights and have have some cocktails yeah, 100%. We've got guests that come for a range of different uh, reasons. Um, traditional family Christmas get-together, cocktails under the lights, or a quick uh, drink to take a break from the hectic streets. Do you also offer any kind of festive afternoon tea? Yeah, we absolutely do. We've got our uh, Victorian uh, Georgian tea room up on the first floor of the building where we do uh, festive afternoon tea, which is open seven days a week uh, from 12 to 5. Um, and what about yourself? How are you going to be celebrating Christmas this year? Uh, I'll be celebrating Christmas with my family, my wife and kids, um, taking a, a day off, uh, going out to enjoy a, a nice relaxing Christmas lunch. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, thank you. Thanks to my guests and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the second of our festive Christmas specials to get you all set for the big day. Scran is a Laudable podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton. 